This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagno alongside Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. we got a great show on tap for you this Wednesday. What do we have? Well, 2023 five stars. We went through one through eight last week. We're going to go through nine through 16. We're going to revisit those guys and make sure they're on the right trajectory. After that, Daniel Jeremiah, he dropped his first, his 1.0 top 50 NFL draft prospects for the upcoming 2024 NFL draft. We'll reminisce on a couple of guys that uh, we remember from our time recruiting Andrew's time scouting on the 24-7 sports side. But first, Drew, one little thing. How about them LSU Tigers, the Bayou Bengals? Brian Kelly getting hot in 2025. They got another one. How about Devin Harper from Shreveport? This guy, Drew, kind of reminds me a little bit of Emory Jones. I kind of saw what you put in there. 6'4 plus, over 300 pounds, 80-inch wingspan, 34-inch arms. We think guard is going to be the position for him at the next level on Saturdays. But I think he's got some tackle versatility as well. That's really the comp where it comes in with Emory Jones. We thought Emory Jones out of Catholic high school in Baton Rouge was going to be a guy that was going to play guard long-term. He has stuck at right tackle since his freshman year. Drew LSU, they already got double-digit commitments here in 2025. Our friend Tom Loy was on the show yesterday. He put in a crystal ball for another guy out of Shreveport and James Simon. They got Harlem Berry in this class. LSU was kind of like a quiet 2024 program. You look up, they're ranked number seven. Now here, number two, only behind Notre Dame in 2025. Drew, this is uh, pretty promising if you're an LSU fan in terms of the outlook over the next year. Cooper, we spend too much time together because I was going to say he reminds me of Emory Jones as well. Just that versatility. You hit, hit it right on the head. It, tackle, guard, I don't care. Devin Harper, when we built out that uh, top 247 for the 2025 cycle back this past summer, Harper's a guy I came across I mean, just dictates play at the point of attack. I mean, mass and uh, can we say ass on on YouTube? I mean, this is a this is a big boy. I, I love his punch, finishes blocks. Um, I think you know LSU Brad Davis, just what they continue to do on the offensive line. Uh, this is going to be a guy that has a chance to be a multi-year starter in the middle for the Tigers. Can we say it? Proceeds to say it anyway. Yeah, it's on. It's on YouTube. We're not on. The, we're not streaming yet. Uh, yes, LSU starting to get things done. Especially Brad Davis been crushing it up front for LSU on that offensive line. That has been a strength under Brian Kelly since Brad Davis has been there. Continues to be a strength for the Tigers. Guys, like I said, every Tuesday and Wednesday, you can find the Oyster Boys right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, 5 o'clock Eastern time. You can find us. Make sure to like and subscribe. Big week for the Oyster Boys back on it as we plunge forward to the 2025 cycle. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show, or we won't. I don't know. But anyway, Drew, uh, the 2023 five stars, we talked about it. We talked through one through eight last week, where these guys are kind of heading. 
9 through 16 is pretty interesting to me. And we're going to bring up a graphic here in a second. But if you look at these guys, you're going through really outside of Malachi Nelson, who we had at number 13, who signed with USC, already hit the transfer portal now at Boise State. All of these guys are like 180-plus snaps. So let's start at number 9 with P.J. Atabore, Oklahoma, 184 snaps. So he's right around there. And this is a guy, Drew, uh, that saw a good bit of run from early in the season. And I think a guy that a lot of expectations, not only as a freshman, but the expectations in terms of going into year two. I got to go back, watch a little bit of tape from his freshman season. I'll tell you what, we got him at number nine, uh, but in terms of confidence moving forward and the five stars revisiting from 2023, like where these guys actually project, I feel really good about P.J. Adebore being tucked inside the top ten. Yeah, I don't, do, does the Big 12, or excuse me, the SEC have like a sophomore breakout player of the year award? Can we create one of those? Because I'm going to go with P.J. Adebore. Um, You know, go back to his recruitment. Lean, lean kid, he was – you know, kind of skin and bones, you knew it was going to take some time for him to physically develop and for him to get his feet wet as a freshman. I think that's certainly promising. I want to see what he looks like after a full off season in the weight room there in Norman. I think he's a guy you need to know. Uh, Oklahoma losing some pass rushers. He's going to step in uh, and potentially not only double the snap count, but double the production. So I'm feeling good about P.J. Adebore. Um, just with where he's at right now. And you, you dig into the PFF, the thing he did the best was get after the quarterback. Yeah, you think about Adebore, obviously the genetics as well, uh, a big part of the reason that we really liked him, felt really confident, uh, confident with him. His brother selected last year in the NFL draft out of Northwestern, another position versatile guy, Tommy Adebore. So PJ, only a couple years behind him, Drew. I think this guy has a makeup of All-American, going to be one of the best defensive linemen in the country. Oklahoma, Got it done on the defensive side in 2023. Well, how about the offensive side? Jackson Arnold, a guy that a lot of players really kind of championed, uh, a lot of people championed throughout the recruiting process, former Gatorade Player of the Year, top 10 player for us. Well, he started one game, kind of similar to Nico Aimelieva. He started in the bowl game, the Alamo Bowl, against Arizona. Oklahoma ends up losing that game. Jackson Arnold, the total snap count, 181 snaps, Drew. I, to me, that's kind of like the magic recipe. I think anytime you can get a freshman quarterback who's going to be the cornerstone of your program going forward, especially backing up a guy like Dylan Gabriel, you almost get him 200 snaps as a freshman, get him that starting experience in a big-time spot against Arizona, even though the result is not what you want. In terms of his development, I think that serves Jackson Arnold really well Going into year two, I, I, that bowl game experience for him as well, being able to play with all the starters absent Dylan Gabriel, I love the trajectory of Jackson Arnold. feel pretty good about this one as well. I do. Uh, I do uh, as well. And, and Coop, I think these freshmen playing in bowl games, that is going to be the new standard, right? Without the opt-outs. I mean, Nico Yamaliev obviously did it at Tennessee. Jackson Arnold here with Oklahoma, like – I think that's what bowl games are going to – I mean, they have turned into exhibitions. But if you sign a high-profile quarterback prospect, you're expecting him to start in the postseason in some type of setting. Uh, I like how the schedule sets up for him. You look at Oklahoma, how they open up in 2024, Temple at home, Houston at home, Tulane at home. Then he gets Tennessee at home uh, and then at Auburn before a bye week. You know, Oklahoma losing a lot up front on that offensive line. Some guys to the NFL, Caden Green – 
uh, off to Missouri, does return some wide receivers. They brought in some uh, transfer tight ends. So I think it's going to take a little bit for that unit to get gelling. But again, kind of a soft schedule to open things up when you look at Houston and Tulane, you know, Fritz moving around, John Summerall moving around. You know, it's not a daunting like, hey, week two, you got to go into this this big game where the entire country is going to be be watching. But no, I, I agree. I think Jackson Arnold uh, on schedule, maybe a little ahead of schedule. Yeah, not some like, uh, you know, uh, revelation here, but I, I thought the biggest thing with him, you go back to that bowl game, I think got a little bit um, aggressive with the eyes, maybe locked on his first, second progression a little bit too long. I think that comes with experience. He played a lot of football at Denton Geyer, one of the best quarterbacks we saw. I think we, we saw last year as well, we thought he was one of the most day one ready guys, and I think that holds true as well. Dante Moore as well. Just because they're ready to play doesn't mean they're ready to play at a high level. These guys got to go through those growing pains as well. That's what we've seen with Jackson Arnold now. He's at the controls of that Oklahoma offense. We'll see what that looks like next year. Drew, DJ Hicks sticking in the SEC. We talked about another defensive lineman earlier Earlier in PJ Atabori. How about DJ Hicks? Uh, it feels like yesterday we had this conversation about DJ Hicks, kind of similar to KJ Bolden in 2024. Just kind of nauseating. We've known about him for so long. He was a guy inside the top five of our rankings when they first came out, I think when he was a sophomore. He ended up sticking within the top 15. He comes off the board at number 11. And Drew, you turn on the tape. He's exactly what we thought. I mean, a guy that can play multiple positions on the front, play the one technique, three, the five. You can line them up anywhere, kind of similar to how they used Walter Nolan this past year at Texas A&M. And now you think about that attrition, guys like Walter Nolan and LT Overton uh, going to places like Ole Miss and Alabama. Well, it kind of opens things up for a guy like DJ Hicks. And DJ Hicks, Still got a good quality snap count. Got 156 snaps last year. Got his feet wet and drew when he was on the field. I thought he was really good. So I mentioned uh, feeling good about PJ Attaboy. This is another guy in DJ Hicks where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, the 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 floor for this guy feels relatively high. Like I, I don't, I would have a hard time kind of seeing this guy get outside the top 50 range when it's time to declare for the NFL draft. Let's also not forget Mike Elko's now the the one running the defense there in College Station. Cooper, with DJ Hicks, what I think is notable, you said at 150 snaps, 50 of them were on the interior, and they list him at 290 pounds. And we saw him at the Under Armour All-America game in that last exposure point before he went off to Texas A&M. I mean, he was a war daddy in the middle. You're talking about someone that, that's got a ton of weight, but he carries it just so well. I always thought he was going to be an interior guy, ends up playing a lot on the edge, and we'll see what it looks like in 2024. But I wouldn't be surprised if that snap count, whether it's does it a, a one, a five, you know, a two or a three, uh, they can get creative with him. But he's another guy where I, I would think there's going to be a big step from year one to year two. All right, so DJ Hicks would be the second defensive lineman in the last three guys that we've talked about. Well, we're getting ready to make the third as well. How about Jordan Hall from Georgia? Drew, this was a guy out of the Sunshine State that kind of came on late for us. Got to see him at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. He dominated. Also kind of had that that funny little uh, – Gosh, what do he do? I think he took some money out of his pocket, threw it on the field. They had to take a commercial break, but I love that, especially in the NIO era. Go do your thing, big man. 177 snaps from Jordan Hall. Drew, it's hard to crack the starting lineup uh, at the University of Georgia, especially when it comes to the point of attack. 
it tells me a lot that this guy was able to play as much as he did, especially you look back at the first game of the season against Tennessee Martin. He was on the field in some big spots as well. Uh, you're starting to see a trajectory here. I feel better about the players that kind of fall in that 150 to 200 snap count range as a freshman. Jordan Hall, one of these guys, Drew, they're kind of bringing along slowly. Talk about a guy ready to make a leap, right? We talked about Atabore. We talked about Hicks. I think uh, it's quite simple that Jordan Hall could really kind of fit into that bucket as well. Well, they got some veterans ahead of them on that in that defensive line room, right, on, on the interior. But I think when you look at the roster, I mean, uh, Ingram Dawkins, Warren Brinson, Nazir Stackhouse, we know what, they, what they're capable of doing. I think Jordan Hall is the one where it's like he, he has the high ceiling. He can elevate that, that, that defensive line room and, and, and help generate some pass rush. He can be a star of that unit like some of these other guys that have come through Athens and, and years prior. So to me, he's another one you kind of circle for spring practices. All right, where, where is he on the two deep? What is, what is Kirby Smart and all those guys saying about Jordan Hall? Uh, and Cooper, I think you should also point out, you know, I think he got dinged up at, at various points during the season. I mean, he was part of the rotation, but he was also battling um, some injuries. So that's certainly notable, close to 200 snaps, even though, you know, he wasn't 100%. All right, Drew, our first or actually our second quarterback here uh, within this range. How about Malachi Nelson? We talked about all these guys, 150-plus snaps, 200-plus snaps. Well, Malachi Nelson, we're flying in the dark here, man. Only four snaps, and a lot of that had to do while he was playing behind a Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Williams. The other thing, though, he didn't beat out Miller Moss either. So Miller Moss uh, more than likely going to be the answer there in 2024 for the Trojans. Malachi Nelson, he is on his way to Boise State. Drew, I kind of wanted to get your feel on this in terms of your temperature, right? Revisionist history, Monday morning quarterback, we're sitting here, we're having a conversation. I don't want to say, do you have any buyer's remorse? Does any of this uh, surprise you at all? Those type of questions where you kind of set the stage looking for a guy, Malachi Nelson. If this was a year ago, you and I were talking, and then we we were able to kind of look into the future and say, hey, a year from now, Malachi Nelson, who you had ranked inside the top 15, and one of the top quarterbacks in the country is going to be at Boise State. How would that impact the way that you think about his trajectory going forward? Andrew Ivins would say what? <laughs> uh, reason to be concerned, for, certainly for sure. It's never been a question, I think, of, of Malachi's arm talent, what he's able to do, how he distributes the football. It was more of what's the buy-in from him as a football player. And he's one of those guys – uh who's his agent cooper i mean he's represented by one of the bigger agencies and you know didn't play in the under armor all-american game was dealing with an injury i was at his i think it was season opener down in south florida we just saw one of those highlights when they played american heritage that was a difficult game for him and then you just kind of study him on the sidelines uh, how he interacted with his teammates i thought he kind of shut down and, and shelled up a little bit so to me the question with Malachi has always been, all right, what's the football character like with him? You know, how much does he want it? How bad does he want to be a Heisman Trophy winner? How bad does he want to be a first round uh, draft pick? Because it seems like in some sense, you know, he's going a little bit through the motions, right? He was allowing that natural talent to carry him to the five star status, to the opportunity to play for Lincoln Riley. And, you know, now we see him at Boise State. Uh, Coop, have you seen this, oh, the the first two games on that schedule? At Georgia Southern, week one, awesome game, awesome game. Like, who scheduled that? <laughs> uh, and then week two, they play at Oregon. So I think we're going to have an idea real quickly, 
you know, what, what, what is Malachi Nelson, um, you know, a year or excuse me, two years after high school? Yeah, if you were to look back, it, it, at least since I've been here with the company over the last three years, the misses that we have had inside the top 32. So when you're talking about five-star talent, I would go back, and I don't want to say almost exclusively, um, but I would say more than your fair share. Come down to football character. Like, what, what, what's in between here? What's between the ears, right? And we talk about the what, the how, the why internally. What is, what is that flame? What's burning inside you? Do you really love the game? What do you like when the cameras aren't around? There were more than breadcrumbs uh, around Malachi Nelson when it came to his football character. And listen, this guy is still uh, in a point in his life where he is 19 years old and he is still maturing as a man. He can still find his way. I don't really think this has much to do with talent. This comes down to when talent meets football character, what ultimately at the end of the day is going to raise the ceiling. And for Malachi Nelson, is he going to put in the work? Is he going to find a way to separate himself to do all the little things that, to, to get the most out of his potential at the next level? I like the Boise State fit. I think it's a humility move for him. I like the fact that, you know, I don't want to say like it, for him, the writing's on the wall, and Lincoln Riley and USC might have done him the biggest favor that they ever could have done in his career and said, you haven't earned this. You are not QB2. we got another guy here, Miller Moss. He's been here. He's waited his turn. He's done everything right. He's gotten the opportunity. He's taken advantage of it. You're not going to walk in here. We're going to give you the job just because you had a five-star attached to your name. So now he's got to reboot. He's got to recalibrate. He's under Bush Hamden, somebody I've worked with and I respect a lot. I kind of like the Boise State fit. He's got to go back, and he, he's got to figure some things out. So, yes, if there's if there's one right now, if you're asking me that we're like, yeah, holding our breath on, uh, it's Malachi Nelson because I'll tell you this, not so much about the football player, right? It's about is this guy going to get it figured out in terms of figuring out what it takes to get the most out of him, himself and the potential. So we'll see what happens with him. You talked about Oregon week two. You want a chance to kind of silence some some doubters there. There's a big opportunity for Malachi Nelson. Speaking of, let's go to number 14, Drew. Maybe the, the most talked about recruit last year and for a lot of different reasons. How about Cormani McLean, a guy that uh, you have spent a lot of time around, a guy that uh, whose recruitment was uh, a roller coaster, to, to put it politely, last year. He ends up at Colorado. A lot of talk about him. Coach Sanders says, you know what? You got to earn it too, right? So uh, ends up playing 277 snaps, Drew. And here's the thing. I, I thought... Deion Sanders handled Cormani McLean's maturity, and you talk about football character. I thought he handled it the right way. And if you're Cormani McLean, you can't get it right under a Hall of Famer and one of the best teachers of the position in Deion Sanders, then where is it going to work out, right? So I give a lot of credit to Cormani McLean being able to stick through that, grow through that, and then becoming a guy that Colorado really had to lean on I expect big things for him going into year two. And you talk about the physical development as well. A lot of the things we're talking about, Malachi Nelson really apply to Cormani McLean. I kind of think the arrow's pointing up here. I'm really excited about Cormani McLean and Boulder in year two. I, I am as well. I didn't know he started the final three games for Colorado. And I know it was a disaster of a tail end of the season, but the media hopped off and, you know, I watched him here and there, but I, I was not aware that he actually um, was in the, in, in, in the starting lineup for them. And I agree. I think 
Dion handled it exceptionally well. And just like with Malachi, the question with Cormani was between the ears. And Cooper, I went back to our front-facing scouting report that I put on his profile. It says, must learn how to block out mistakes and find some inner confidence once adversity hits, but has the physical makeup of a potential impact player or a college football player, a playoff contender, and a possible early-round NFL draft selection. Could experience some initial growing pains. But freakish traits are well worth molding for the long haul. I think that hits it on the on the head with Cormani McLean, right? Uh, excited to see him in year two, and he would be a playing opposite of Travis Hunter. You think about all those new faces there in Boulder. Uh, Dion has been shopping in the transfer portal. I think they're prepared to win in year two because who knows that there's going to be a year three there in Colorado for prime. Yeah, I'm excited about Cormani McLean, man. I I don't know how many times I can say that. I think you're, what you wrote about him uh, is a culmination of kind of everything we saw throughout his high school career. Ends up maybe making the best move uh, that he ever could have made, getting away from where he came from, goes all the way out to Colorado, obviously has a great mentor there in Deion Sanders. So we'll see what happens there in Boulder in year two. Another guy, Drew, with a lot of accolades coming out of high school. How about Nicholas Harbor, the five-star from the Washington, D.C., area shocked a lot of people ended up at South Carolina last year man you talk about a guy we just had no idea where he was going to play I think a lot of people thought he was going to end up putting on 30 or 40 pounds and maybe playing uh, with his hand in the ground on the defensive side of the ball that's not the case he's hovering around 230 240 pounds at six foot five he's playing receiver you don't see that a lot and Drew um, talk about a year where I think it was a little bit of uh you know, drinking through a fire hose. I think that was Nicholas Harbor, right? South Carolina, not really in a position where you can let him kind of take the, the natural position of growth. Also, a lot of expectations for Nicholas Harbor at South Carolina. Plays over 370 snaps. I think he had a 20% drop rate, tied for six highest among Power 5 receivers. Nice little nugget there. He's not a natural receiver. I, he's a freak athlete, but in terms of the hands, in terms of the body coordination... He has everything that you could possibly want. Drew, I think when Nicholas Harbor came out just a year ago, we said, here's this big ball of clay. We have no idea what he can be, but he's got the best clay of any prospect in this class. Somebody's going to have to figure it out. It's probably going to take a little bit of time. I think that's what we saw in year one. And that's why it's surprising he played so many snaps. You said at 375, I think if we – went back and, and ranked the 32 five-stars, one through 32, in terms of who we think is going to play, not who is ready to play. I think Harper still would have been near the bottom of the list, like 31, 32. I don't think any of us saw him getting that much burn as a freshman for the Gamecocks. And uh, what, 12 catches, Cooper? Uh, this is a guy, uh, his senior season of high school caught 15 passes. The year before that, he caught 16 as a junior. He is not a natural ball catcher. Uh, what stood out to me and what will always stand out to me is we saw him at the Under Armour All-America game night one. You know, he ran one route. I'm like, okay, no one else on this field is able to attack the leverage, stack the defensive back like Nicholas Harbour, and then the catch radius is monster. Uh, he's starting to figure it out. I mean, the, the ceiling is is just unreal. Uh, and, and my biggest takeaway with him is just, man, you know, he he played more snaps than a lot of these guys. And, and that was not expected out of out of Nick Harbour based on what we saw on tape 
uh, and the live in-person evaluations. Are you buying stock? Are you selling stock? Are you buying. diamond hands on uh, Nick Harbor? Where, where are you on him? I'm buying stock. You know, Brad Crawford at 24-7 Sports, he was hit me up. I, I guess he's writing a story on the fastest players or excuse, fastest players in the country. And I was like, Nick Harbor? And he's like, oh, yeah, already on the list. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the biggest freaks in all of college football. How could I not be buying stock in him? Can probably get it at a, a, a relatively pretty good price right now, too, with Nicholas Harbor. So buy some stock, Andrew says. Go get in on Nick Harbor. Drew, another guy I'm buying stock in. How about Lance Hurd, formerly Zell Lance Hurd, the former five-star. Started with LSU, now with the Tennessee Vols. The Tennessee Vols, well, they're wrapped up in some fun stuff with the NCAA, but that's neither here nor there. We're not going to talk about this on uh, on that on this show. But Lance Hurd drew a guy that played 195 snaps. Uh, graded out pretty well, according to PFF. And you look at LSU's tackle situation. They got Will Campbell. They got Emory Jones. I think they got one of the best offensive line units in the country. Felt pretty good uh, about Lance Hurd's kind of uh, trajectory there in Baton Rouge. That being said, if you're Tennessee, I don't think you could have done any better in terms of the available tackles on the market. You got to protect your investment in Nico Lieva. They have done that in Lance Hurd. Drew, I think he can play the left side. I think he can play the right side. I think he's pretty interchangeable there. I think long-term, maybe NFL, he's a right tackle, but this is a big dude. Once he gets his paws on you, it's over. I thought he handled himself well last year when he got the the opportunity. I think he's got some stuff to clean up technically a little bit, but at, at, in terms of the point of attack, he was ready last year, and he's only going to get better from there. So I think the sky's the limit for this kid. We got him at 16. I feel pretty good about his trajectory as well. Are you worried about the transfer, or you think that's just where we're at in 2024? I think that is what it is, man. I, I don't like yeah. it, you know, uh, I, I, because I think continuity at developmental positions is important. Uh, you know, so when you start moving around where you got a new coach and you got a new environment and you got to adjust and you got a new scheme, to me, that only kind of shortchanges the kid long term. And I think that's kind of the, the, the little bit of delicate balance and the risk that you play as a tackle or a corner moving early in your career is that you don't get that level of continuity that's so important. You look at a guy like Eli Ricks, too. I mean, you go back. like Those are things you can't really get back, right? So I would have liked to see Lance Hurd uh, stick it out at LSU. Him going to Tennessee, I think he's going to be okay. Uh, but I am interested to kind of see, all right, where does he end up maybe two years from now? Well, I would say the good news is he can't transfer again, but I, I think he can with the current NCAA rules. I don't, I don't even know what the rules are. Uh, my, my note on Zalance Hurd, all right, do they play him on the right side? Do they play him on the left side? You said he, he, you think he can play both, both of them. You know, they got John Campbell coming back, former Miami transfer. Um, Nico is obviously the quarterback. They're, they need to protect this guy. And Tennessee led the SEC in rushing this past season. Still think they want to get better. Uh, at pounding the rock. And I think Zalance Hurd, or excuse me, Lance Hurd would have to be uh, one of the answers to that to that problem. Is it me or is there just a lot more name changes now than there has been oh, in a dude, long time? From that last cycle, Nicholas Harbour is now just Nick Harbour. Desmond Ricks is now Des Ricks with two Zs. And then Zalance Hurd is now Lance Hurd. Yeah. I, I, What's up and then that? uh where would that come from? Dalen Smothers, his official profile says Hollywood Smothers. I was like, okay. Didn't know that was a thing. Damn, dude. 
2024 are hitting different a little bit with these names. Hard to keep up with. Guys, we talked about Tuesday and Wednesday. Did I mention the signing day show next week, next Wednesday, February 7th from 2 to 5 Eastern time. Andrew Ivins will be in studio in Nashville, Tennessee, blessing us with his presence. The Oyster Boys will have everything you need, as well as the rest of our great team here at 24-7, including Emily Proud, Brandon Huffman, Smoke Dixon, everything you need from a college football recruiting standpoint. Don't go anywhere else. 24-7 Sports has it right here. Also, guys, if you're in the chat, make sure to ask some questions. I'll be on there chatting it up with you later today. Make sure to like and subscribe as well. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Drew, we were looking for material for today's show. You brought up a great idea. The guy that uh, I think anybody who's a young evaluator looks up to, if there was one guy, I think that guy used to be when we were younger, maybe it was Mel Kuyper for a lot of people, right? Maybe it was Mike Mayock. I think this generation's Mel Kuyper and Mike Mayock, no further than Daniel Jeremiah. I mean, this guy's just got it all, man. He's a great guy, does an incredible job. So anytime he comes out, Whether it's a mock draft, whether it's top 50 prospects, well, guess what? The Oyster Boys are tuning in. Drew, this kind of provided us, I would say, let's just call it a wonderful opportunity to revisit some of these players inside of Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 and kind of reminisce a little bit on the recruitment, what we remember and why we think these guys are successful. Or maybe there's some surprises inside DJ's top 50 that – Hey, that kind of caught us off guard a little bit, but let's kind of talk through it. Drew, let's go through your list first, and uh, we'll start with number six. Tarion Arnold, number six, Drew. I think this one, big surprise for you. That that high was kind of like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Yeah, because Kool-Aid McKinstry is the uh, corner everyone thought out of Alabama that would be you know, the top 10 pick. And I've heard Daniel Jeremiah on his podcast, Move the Sticks, hinting at Terry and Arnold and what he is hearing behind the scenes from NFL evaluators. Uh, Terry and Arnold messaged me last week, hit me in the DMS and I was like, what's up? And he, he brought up the fact that I wrote on his evaluation on his profile that he had Sunday potential. And he said, you know, it's all kind of coming true. So that was, that was a cool moment. Uh, going back to his recruitment, uh, Terry and Arnold, you know, we always thought he would be, a safety and to see him possibly be the first cornerback drafted is, I don't know, it's, it's a bit eye eye opening. And then you go into the high school profile, 74 inch wingspan, Cooper, 34 inch arms. What's also, I think stands out about Terry and Arnold four, seven in the 40 yard dash. That is the only time we had on him and a four, one, five short shuttle 
three-sport athlete, was fourth at States in the long jump, also played basketball, two-way snaps. Uh, guy we saw a lot on the camp circuit, wasn't facing the stiffest competition there in the Tallahassee area, but you knew he could play. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we had him as a five-star, so hopefully hopefully DJ's right, and we, we hit, and uh, we, we got one of them right from the 2021 cycle. The thing that sticks out to me is that speed, time speed, can be improved uh, over time, right? With a with a good strength and conditioning and player development program, we saw this with Sauce Gardner, right? I think the only metric we had on him uh, was in in the mid four sevens as well, if I'm not mistaken. But the thing about Terry DJ, and Arnold, yeah, go ahead, Drew. DJ Turner, the fastest man at the combine last year, only known, you know, ver- third party verified forty yard dash time on him was 474 he goes to the combine and runs a 429 like guys can get faster that's why it, it drives me crazy a little bit when uh you know come across a prospect and and people want to dismiss them just because of what they ran as a, a 16 or 15 year old and it could have been their first 40 yard dash ever right a lot of that i think has also to do with technique you know a lot of these guys haven't been taught this is not something that they're really training to do um but it is interesting like that to me deserves a lot more discovery and in research in terms of all right now we have all this quantifiable data with our with the help of our friends at uc report of the standardized testing at the high school level so when these guys are 16 17 years old who are the programs that are developing different uh different traits at a higher level right who's, who's developing speed who's developing short area quickness change of direction explosiveness at different positions I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. Carnell Tate, you know, last year ran 4.72 twice uh, within a year of each other. Brandon Innes is another guy. I think he popped a 4.61. What are those guys going to look like three to four years from now when they test at the NFL Combine? That's a big question, something I want to dig into. And I think, you know, we're going to look at Terry and Arnold, quite honestly. That's going to be a guy I'm going to be zoned in on if he pops a sub 4.5, right? So be interesting to see what happens there. Drew, another name that I think Alabama fans and uh, if, if you're a fan of the national scope, don't need any introduction to. How about Dallas Turner? Uh, I don't think there's any surprises here. I think you've always been a big fan of him. I am. And, Coop, I texted you this morning about it. Dallas Turner, right, one of the top pass rushers in the SEC, uh, thick-cut defender. I compared him to Shaq, Shaq Lawson, if you go on his 24-7 sports profile. That's, that was my comp for him coming out of high school. He played safety on the seven-on-seven circuit for the South Florida Express at like 245 pounds. He was dropping back uh, into quarter coverage and picking off passes. I will never forget that uh, about Dallas Turner. Talk over six foot three, 229 pounds, 82-inch wingspan. Cooper, 37-inch arms, 37-inch arms. Basketball kid was a part of uh, AA or excuse me, Team USA. Uh, hoops. Uh, he did some developmental camps there. Stopped playing. Senior season, he studied under Jason Taylor there at St. Thomas Aquinas. Had 13 sacks. Uh, I've long been a fan of Dallas Turner. Not surprised to see him sitting number 21. I think on uh, on uh, or excuse me, number 10 on, on DJ's top 50. Would you be upset if I threw a patag flag at the 37-inch arms? Yeah, well, that's what the that's what the, the number is because I don't think it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but here's the thing, though. I mean, if that was 34 and a half, right? So even even if you give uh, two and a half inches off of, of degree of margin of error, 
it, that would still put him probably in the top 90% of his position at the edge position. You talk about a guy that's just like clean player, clean athlete, did a lot of different things at the high school level. Drew, you talked about him playing safety, the 82-inch wingspan, growth potential to grow into as well. He is such a smooth, kind of like proactive mover. He's got a game plan, everything that he, uh, everything that he does off the edge, like plays with zero wasted motion. You talk about a guy that plays with intentionality and purpose. That so much of like when you watch these guys, these edge rushers, a guy like Dallas Turner or Leatu Latu, yeah, we, we get excited about the physical ability and we love the traits and we love obviously the speed and the quickness, but so much of that position is not only being technically refined, but it's just playing with like a little bit of grace and the synchronization of the how fast you process as well. That's been Dallas Turner, I think, all the way through high school. All right, Drew, a couple of more for you. Uh, we got to get out here in the next couple of minutes. But J.C. Latham, J.J. McCarthy, uh, Jerzon Newton as well. Uh, some quick hitters on these guys. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I was talking about this with my wife this morning, we went and saw IMG Academy play Venice right after the pandemic because she went to Venice High School. Didn't realize that J.J. McCarthy was the starting quarterback and J.C. Latham was his left tackle. Uh, just funny in hindsight, you know, two first round, potential first round NFL draft picks, but two really good college players. Cooper, did you know J.J. McCarthy was a multi-sport athlete? The other sport he played, drum roll, do you know? Do you know? <laughs> I don't know. Lacrosse? Hockey. He was a hockey player. He played until he was 14 years old. You can go on EliteHockeyProspects.com. He's got a profile up there. I think that says a lot about him. And in that in that Venice game, it was his first action for IMG Academy. He threw uh, for 333 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, I always thought he was a good distributor of the football. And what stood out was that pocket awareness, You know how he got out of trouble. You see him spinning up here. It was the same thing at IMG. J.C. Latham, I want you to know this nugget, Cooper. Did not play offensive on the offensive line his first two years of high school. He was a guy that was uh, billed himself as a defensive end when he was in the state of Wisconsin, transferred into IMG Academy. I thought he was an exceptional space athlete. Uh, they had him with 38-inch arms. So uh, I think some of these measurements from a few years ago were a, a bit interesting. But 84-inch wingspan. Coop, he could be the sixth offensive lineman out of IMG Academy drafted since 2019. You're looking for an O-lineman. Go to IMG because there's some other guys that are going to get picks here soon, right? Um, Francis Mauanoa, Tyler Booker. And then finally, Drazon Newton, right, was at his spring game before senior season. You know, this was a three-star prospect for us. Obviously, he had a ton of success there at Illinois. Initially, was getting mocked really early, like first round uh, for, some of these, from, for some of these services. But he's kind of slid down some boards. I believe that's because he's got – smaller arms 75 inch wingspan someone had him with 30 inch arms notable about him cooper you know two-way guy rushed for over a thousand yards as a sophomore he was initially just a running back and made that transition to the defensive side of the ball i was thinking about prospects hey in that 2024 class you know edge rushers defensive linemen that went both ways what about our guy amaris williams who we threw a fifth star on uh young for his grade but initially was a running back made the transition to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we saw the flashes at the All-American Bowl. So uh, those are my three. I'm rounded out. I know I got I to gotta give the reins to you here because you recruited some of these guys. You didn't even scout them uh, inside DJ's top 50. Yeah, and, and nice hand of the baton there. So we'll go over the next five. J.C. Latham, I do have to say, Drew, maybe the two most athletic profiles I've seen at the offensive line 
I guess just over the years, Evan Neal, J.C. Latham, both those guys coming out of IMG Academy, just quite honestly different. The athleticism, the length, no shock. Evan Neal went within the top five. J.C. Latham, they got high hopes for him as well. All right, these next five has spanned over my career over 19, 20, 21. All right, so I was at Washington from 19 to 20, and then I was at Oregon uh, for one year, one and done, quick cup of coffee. But here are five guys inside the top 50 I know a little bit about. Start with Roma Dunze out of Bishop Gorman. Drew, I, I talked about him yesterday when talking about Derek Meadows. This was a kid that we really just started kind of, you know, loving up after we saw him work out before his senior year. Six foot two, he was 190 pounds plus. He had a 10, seven, six in the 100 meter. He ran like a gazelle, super smooth. I don't think he was as physically as assertive as he is now, maybe three to four years later. But in terms of the physical clay and potential, you saw it there. I also thought uh, from a ball tracking ability, all that was pretty easy to see at an early age. Had over 1,000 yards receiving in his last two years at Bishop Gorman. So that was an easy one. We had to beat Lincoln Riley for him going back. Uh, quite honestly, man, these are the ones that you invest a lot of time in. You're glad you do it at the end of the day. DJ has him ranked number three. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if you would have told me five years ago or four years ago, whenever that was, if Roma Dunze would have been a first-round draft pick, if you were to tell me he'd be in the top five, I would have said, whoa. Uh, but that just kind of shows the development of the player. Other one here, Troy Fatanu, a guy that we originally uh, recruited as a guard, but we thought had tackle versatility. Fast forward, that's exactly what he is. He's playing left tackle, ballerina feet, quick twitch, explosive, love the foot, body quickness as well, 34-inch arms. I think I just mentioned that. The tape for us, Drew, is when he went one-on-one, mano-a-mano with Nolan Smith, one of the most highly touted players in the country at, at the time, ends up going to Georgia, becoming a first-round draft pick. He did more than hold his own in that game. We turned it up, beat USC for him. Love Troy Fatanu. He took some time. Scott Huff, offensive line coach now at Alabama, deserves a ton of credit. Leatu Latu, here we go. This is a guy that I love, national rugby player. We actually thought he was going to go to Cal to play rugby. Ends up coming to UW. Had some medical issues, had an issue with his neck. Jimmy Lake says, hey, you can't stay here. Goes to UCLA, becomes one of the best pass rushers in the country. Now probably going to be a first-round draft pick. But you talk about the smoothness and the suddenness of a guy his size. You just don't see it a lot. Links up with a Kaika Malloy who recruited him at Washington does his thing at UCLA. Drew, you're looking for some early indicators. He didn't run well. He ran a 5-1-1 in the 40, but he had a 4-2-8 short shuttle. The mm -hmm. rugby background we love. The short area quickness was apparent. You talk about a proactive player. The other thing, the hands. The hands were always there. I think that kind of translated from his rugby background as well. All right, two more here. Jackson Powers Light. Now Jackson Powers Johnson. This was a guy, I got to give him a ton of credit. DJ has him at number 35. He was the center all the way. We didn't really think he had guard versatility. So if you're a center, aim small, miss small, you better hit. And this was a guy, 34-inch arms, 78-inch wingspan, was a try-hard, high-motor player, uh, was a guy that played with so much toughness and finish. And it was apparent. Every camp, combine, live exposure that you saw, he was an absolute prick. That has not gone anywhere. That is translated to his game. This is a guy that's got an innate toughness and intangible about him when it comes to playing the center position. I think he's going to translate beautifully at the next level. Last one, Troy Franklin. We didn't have anything verified on this guy. We loved him at Washington when Junior Adams was there. A year later, Jimmy Lake comes in after Coach Pete retires, opens the door for Oregon. 
He was slight. He was narrow. We worried about the physicality a little bit. He was a straight-line guy, but, man, has he really blossomed uh, into a guy that can run a full expanded route tree. Love what he can do from a verticality standpoint, the speed, the playmaking ability down the field. DJ's got him at 39. To see these guys, Drew, uh, who I got to say, if they all have anything in common outside of Jackson Light, they were all tough recruitments. And I used to hear from the coaches, man, we're spending way too much time. We're spending way too much time on these guys. Well, really, at the end of the day, Roma Dunze, Troy Fatano, Leatu, Latu, you got one team that played in the national championship. You got another team that won the New Year's Six. It's about dudes at the end of the day. Those are the guys that move the needle. These are the guys that ultimately, at the end of the day, decide how much you're going to get paid, what your job security looks like, how much food on the table you put for your wife and your family. It's about Troy Franklin. It's about Leatu Latu. Those are the guys that get paid money, not your scheme, not any of that other stuff. It's these guys. So if I can look back and say, yeah, I'm pretty happy that we went after those five guys and we were buttoned up on them, then there you go. So congrats to those dudes. Hell of a career. Going to have a hell of a Sunday career as well. Little rant to end it. Drew, you have anything before we get out of here? <laughs> There's more, right? There's more guys that you recruited that are going to be drafted, right? Maybe ten, what, or, maybe the, ten or twelve uh, from those three schools, yeah. Or Washington, uh, Eddie Ulifasio, Roger Rosengarten. Um, I don't know, probably missing some more. You got an Ole Miss picked up a couple with Kalepo and Bulo, you know. But whatever, just a little Pac-12 school at the end of the day. So we'll get out on that note, guys. I appreciate you guys uh, joining us. We will be back next Tuesday and Wednesday, five o'clock Eastern time. Thanks again, as always, for Andrew Ivins. I'm Cooper Psagna. We'll see you next week. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.